everyone to another week of Player's Spellbook, a podcast all about the magic of Dungeons and Dragons, starting with the spells in the 5th edition Player's Handbook. I am your host, Derek, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Tim. And today, we're going to be talking about the cantrip, Dancing Lights. Now, Dancing Lights, as I'm sure anybody can guess from the name, is a way of uh, giving yourself some illumination. Uh, but I was wondering, Tim... How have you preferred with your D&D characters to navigate the dark? Do you always play races with dark vision? Do you take cantrips like this? Do you just accept the blinded condition and and revel in it? How do you navigate darkness as a player? That's a great question. I don't think I give dark vision much thought as a player. I think I look at some of the other things that a race might offer. Yeah, we it's it's sort of a meme in D&D where the DMs like you find a dark hole and everybody's like, "I have yeah. dark vision. What do I see?" And like in our campaign, yeah, exactly. one person with dark vision. <laughs> yeah, and then everyone holds hands and walks through. <laughs> everybody holds hands and follows the tiefling cuz he's the only one that can see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's what every party should do, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a trust exercise <laughs> if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think usually when I think of a character, there's other things I care more about than dark vision. So it's not the top of my list. I should probably consider it more and think of, uh, I could, I could fit this character into a race that has dark vision built in rather than trying to find an item or, uh, yeah, just stumbling around in the dark going for uh, disadvantage on everything. But I don't know. I I've I mean, played... there there are torches. Like you can you can the, the problem yeah you is can buy insurmountable. Those. You can solve the problem for like a silver. Or, I don't know how much a torch costs. Yeah. Not much. Or an oil lamp, I think. Yeah, that's true. A little bit more durable that way. Less fire risk. Yeah. Yeah. Or. But if you really want to eliminate fire risk <laughs> in uh, providing light, you can use the cantrip dancing lights. See that segue there. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, see this is this is the kind of thing that brings your podcast to the next level. <laughs> For All sure. right, um, do you want to read the intro to Dancing Lights? Yeah, I can read Dancing Lights, the evocation cantrip of Dancing Lights. It's got a casting time of one action, like most cantrips, and a range of 120 feet. Components are verbal, somatic. Just really generous, by the way. Yeah. That's like as it's long range far. as a cantrip gets. I didn't know it was like that. Yeah, that's true. That's a nice that's a nice distance. I guess when we get into the spell a little bit more, you'll see it like it seems like it's a very like exploratory spell or Yeah. It's it seems for me it's like exploring or shenanigans. That's that's the vibe yeah. I get. Yeah. So then the components are verbal, somatic, and material. The materials being a bit of phosphorus or witch wood or a glowworm. Like, I, I think I know what phosphorus and glowworms are. Do you have any idea what witch yeah. wood is? Uh, well, I didn't until a few minutes ago when I did a little <laughs> bit of research, but it looks like witch wood in the real world is like. By and large, if if you look it up on Google, you'll just find like a specific forest in Britain, wherein uh, witchwood grows, or it's called the witchwood forest. Um, but it seems as though it is uh, Ulum glabra montana, also known as Scotch elm, witchwood, witch elm, or witch hazel. 
Um, apparently it was once used to make like divining rods and was reputed to have magical properties. So oh. I guess it is a specific kind of, of shrub in the bush or in, in the uh, shrub in the real world that, um, that you can use to cast this. It seems uh, just the name, Witchwood, though, I think is really interesting. Like that's, that's the real world history and you can use it if you want. But I think just thinking of like, what would a Witchwood tree be like? <laughs> how yeah. does that, how does that look like in your world? I think that's one of the things that you really lose out by not looking at spell components. If you just write down like component pouch on your character sheet and then never look at your material components <laughs> again, or if you just use an arcane focus, you kind of miss out on these little opportunities for world building. Um, like I feel like as a DM now, I might go sit and think about what a witchwood tree is like. Like maybe it's <laughs> a special kind of like tree from the Feywild or when you snap off a branch, there's like a flash of light or the branch glows for a second or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think witchwood in the real world is something that's used to make divining rods and was purported to have magical tendencies. But I think a witchwood tree is a great little writing prompt for a DM to come up with something that, uh, that might be kind of unique and interesting in your world. Yeah. It sounds like it could be an arsonist dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or a witch's dream. Maybe like yeah. all witch brooms are made out of witch wood. That would make sense. <laughs> and it would be a very natural place to get the name. <laughs> and might be super flammable. So <laughs> watch it. <laughs> it yeah. It also might be. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on the duration is concentration up to a minute and you create up to four torch sized lights within range making them appear as torches lanterns or glowing orbs that hover in the air for the duration you can also combine the four lights into one glowing vaguely humanoid form of medium size whichever form you choose each light sheds dim light in a 10 foot radius as a bonus action on your turn, you can move the lights up to 60 feet to a new spot within range. A light must be within 20 feet of another light created by this spell, and a light winks out if it exceeds the spell's range. Well, I think that's the longest description we've had so far, and it there's just a lot of different specific rules there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked last time about how Chill Touch had a few kind of weird little rules that you might forget this seems like yeah. it's riddled with that sort of thing oh yeah like when your player decides that they're going to move all of these lights 120 feet in each direction are you going to remember that they have to be within 20 feet of each other yeah uh, it's it's interesting that it's like a bonus action on your turn to move them up to 60 feet like these things these things are quick yeah, that's they, true. They really move. I pictured a dancing light spell as sort of like bobbing along slowly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can really you can really get these things. I mean, that's twice as fast as a person can move in a combat round. And mm -hmm. I assume in combat you're moving pretty quick. So, yeah, that's uh, I yeah, mean, that really surprised me. You could really bob them along and make them dance for 60 feet every turn if you wanted as well. So that they. Yeah. I mean, they are dancing lights. <laughs> This this makes me think that what you would really ideally want to use this for is for a juggling routine that you do at night. <laughs> Where you can just make the lights go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. If you're playing like a charlatan or something like that, you want to pretend that you can juggle, but actually you can cast a cantrip. Yeah. Which like 
maybe is more impressive, maybe. Like, I guess, depending on your world. Like, yeah. I don't know how, if, if it's really high magic, maybe it's like, okay, everybody can cast dancing lights, in which case, yeah. you know, maybe that trick doesn't work. But then you're a street performer. If you're in a low magic setting, then it's like, wow, you can like cast a spell. That's way more, that's way more impressive than juggling. Maybe you should right. just do that. <laughs> there you go. For sure. It's like, why are you trying to be a stage magician when you're a real magician? Uh, maybe everyone doesn't like magic and that's wants true. to kill you. Actually, that's yeah, in our I, campaign it's... right now. You've made that a thing. So Yeah, the, the Inquisition <laughs> is a big problem. And yeah. uh, they're not big fans of spellcasters. So maybe, maybe you can pass yourself off as a juggler. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that you can get this as a bard, sorcerer, wizard, or artificer. Right. Also, the, yeah. Also for the artificer class. Yeah. I was just thinking it's a, it's an interesting kind of classification in that it's an evocation, but it seems almost like an illusion. Or that oh, you yeah. can use this for the same thing that you use a lot of illusion spells, like the creating a vaguely humanoid form of medium size. Like that's, of course, that's just asking for player shenanigans to you know terrify yeah. the goblins into thinking that some god has come into their camp or something like that um yeah but also just i i'm really struck by the uh description in the first line that you can make them look like lanterns like it doesn't say lantern light which maybe no. is what it's supposed to mean but it's like you could actually make this look like a lantern that's just hovering well, along which is actually really spooky do torches and lanterns make like bright they don't make bright light it's dim light or uh torches make bright light out to oh i'm gonna forget the rule maybe i should look this up torches make bright light out to 20 feet i think and then dim light for another 20 feet thereafter okay and then for lanterns i think there are a few different kinds of lanterns and each of them have a different like amount of light that they shed but yeah that's that's the other thing that i thought was very interesting is that it's all dim light yeah, I thought that that dancing lights would create, you know, bright light in a certain area, but it's all it's all dim. Which of course, dim light means that you have disadvantage on perception checks while you're looking at something in the light. Yeah, and attack rolls. No? Um, I don't think attack rolls. Disadvantage oh, okay. on attack rolls is like the blinded condition. Right. I think it's just disadvantage on wisdom perception checks. Oh, okay, okay, here we go. Uh, the description for a torch. A torch costs one copper, burns for one hour, providing bright light in a 20-foot radius and dim light for an additional 20 feet. If you make a melee attack with a burning torch and hit, it deals one fire damage. Wow. A torch kind of sounds better. If you're using it for <laughs> it, exploring. If you're using it for the sake of seeing things. Yeah. Yeah. And then a, a bullseye lantern casts bright light in a 60-foot cone and dim light for an additional 60 feet. Dang. And then a hooded lantern casts bright light in a 30-foot radius and dim light for an additional 20 feet. Mm -hmm. Then as an action, you can lower the hood, reducing the light to dim light in a 5-foot radius. So you can kind of obscure it. So yeah, all of these light sources, like non-magical, mundane light sources, shed bright light in a certain area, whereas these are only dim. Mm -hmm. So they obviously aren't as bright as the real, the real deal, which could be interesting that could be a way that say like enemy spellcasters or something might might learn how your party's getting by they'll be like oh yeah that's a dancing lights cantrip because it's not it's not as bright right hmm yeah yeah 
the one it's it's an interesting I feel like a lot of players particularly those who don't have dark vision are going to find a real toss up between dancing lights and light because yeah. you'll probably want some way to see um, but yeah you're right in a, in a lot of cases you might be better off just buying a torch I mean they're one copper yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably fine I mean if you compare this spell to light and you're thinking specifically of trying to see things light is way better mm-hmm. like it's not because it actually gives you bright light <laughs> Yeah, and it lasts for an hour and, it, and is not yeah, and it's not concentration. So all of those things make it better for seeing things. Seeing things. So I don't but dancing lights comes with the additional ability to do all sorts of shenanigans. Yes. I think if if I'm thinking about exploration, the only thing I think this might way this might work better is if you had like if you were trying to see up a shaft or something and you wanted to mm-hmm. like uh, be able to see further up the shaft than a light. Uh, yeah. I've seen it a couple times go. where players who only have the light cantrip and not the light, not the dancing light spell will like cast light on like a coin or something and just chuck it down a hallway. <laughs> yeah, to try exactly. And see what's down there and dancing lights makes that a lot easier, but it's dim light, so it'll, it'll yeah. be harder to pick out specific details. The the another advantage I think to dancing lights is it's harder for you to get ambushed. Right. <laughs> like I think that you make yourself a real target if you're the guy that has the light spell cast on the tip of his wand. I think monsters are going to try to take you out first, right? <laughs> in the hopes that they can, Put you know, the plunge up. the party into darkness by casting dancing lights like way out in front of you monsters might attack the lights or reveal themselves or even just like a bunch of kobolds are waiting around the corner and yeah, they're just yeah. going to shoot at whatever the source of the light is so you send your dancing lights around the corner a bunch of little crossbow bolts rattle off and now hey you know there are kobolds back there mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're you're prepared rather than you you know just walking by with your light cantrip and getting riddled with crossbow bolts yeah exactly or if you uh, encounter a pack of household cats then they will all go after the lights on the walls. <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. <laughs> yeah, next time, yeah. next time you get attacked by felines, just cast dancing <laughs> lights and just send them after them. Exactly. Yeah, this is a, this is a hard counter to cat attacks. Yeah, yeah. I think also this with the effect that you can combine the four lights into one glowing humanoid form. This is one of those spells. humanoid. Yeah. That's curious. That is that is a little strange. You can I guess you can't make it a cat. You you can make it tabaxi, I guess. Or you can't make Yeah, you can't make it you can't make it a dog. It yeah. has to be a humanoid form. Sure. Which is a little odd. And then the question is like, well, there are a lot of different humanoid forms. Yeah. Like could you make it a tail because tieflings are humanoids and have tails? Or wings? Could you like could the form have wings cuz Aracocra have wings yeah and this is specifically getting into what i was the point i was going to make is that when you have spells like this that are more like a lot of illusion spells are like this how effective these spells are really depends on your dm and what they're and, going and, to and your imagination as a player yeah but yes of course. i think it does it does affect on uh, it does depend on your dm as well like i, I think that definitely if you're planning on really specializing into the illusion school yeah it's worth having that conversation with your dm about like okay how are how are illusions going to work do enemies know that like 
Do enemies know to expect illusions? Um, like, is is are, are you going to be calling for like investigation checks like all the time? Is this the kind of thing where I might reasonably expect to get away with some of these tricks? Um, it's it's very much up to your imagination, but it's also very much up to how the DM interprets how these things work. Like I said, if like dancing lights is no big deal because your world is such a high magic world and cantrips are so common that people just know that spellcasters can do tricks like this. That's going to be a very different kind of situation than if like you're the only person in the world who can cast dancing lights. And so like those kobolds aren't ready for this. Um, whereas, you know, in the, in the example that I put before, like if the kobolds boss, they're like sorcerer leader or whatever, if she can cast dancing lights, then they know that this is a thing. And so they, they might, be ready for mm -hmm. it in a way that that they wouldn't be yeah. uh, otherwise the way that you as a player might not expect them to be so yeah definitely if this is if the idea of of playing tricks with this uh and using this to kind of like root out where enemies are and that sort of thing appeals to you then have that conversation with your dm about how how he or she might interpret this working so that you as a player know where you can and can't use this yeah for sure yeah, I think I think that's all I all I have for it as a player. Do you as a as a player have any any more thoughts about it? Not really. I'm just trying to think if I I'm just trying to think if I would ever take this. And I think I might if I was going to play a character that was more into illusions. Like obviously if you're trying to do a spell with illusions minor illusion is way better but this would be a spell that you can use in the dark where minor illusion i don't yeah. think would work in the dark at all this has this has a little bit more flexibility than than minor illusion in that you get four lights <laughs> yeah. and you can move them around whereas minor illusion is a little bit more static yeah um, but you could basically anything else that you wanted to do with an illusion that's not in the dark minor illusion would be better Mm -hmm. although minor illusion is not concentration and dancing lights is so you can use the two synonymously like i'm thinking if you take that's true minor illusion and dancing lights you can make that humanoid form and you can make it speak that's <laughs> which true. which would really freak out some like little <laughs> goblins or uh, other monsters that have no idea what's happening yeah yeah that's that's fair i think Using up a cantrip like slot for this, I'm not sure I would do that. It probably depends on the character, but I think most I'm probably going to skip over this and take something like light for exploration or uh, minor illusion for most illusions. Because mm. unless I, we're going to be on a, in a campaign that's like the sun is blotted out and you're always in the darkness. <laughs> yeah. If you're playing out of the abyss and you're going to be in the underdark the whole time. Then yeah, for sure. This then, is great. Yeah. If you're in the underdark and expecting to be ambushed a lot, <laughs> then this is definitely <laughs> the kind of thing for you. Yeah. Is there any way you can think of that you would use this as a, um, uh, as, as a, a DM? DM? I've never had like a, to my, recollection i've never had an npc actually cast this spell like in front of the players 
but I do mm-hmm. think it makes for some excellent set dressing. And I have used it quite a bit in like magical libraries or arcane colleges and other stuff like that as kind of an interesting light source. Um, where you have these like dancing lights kind of like gathered around the ceiling and they're sort of shedding this dim illumination over the whole place. Uh, it, it, it's really, really great for just sort of setting the the atmosphere of like, this is a magical place. Like it's not illuminated by torches. It's not lantern light. It is magical lights that are lighting this place up. Um, I think I had a library once where when you walked into the library, a little dancing light, like a little globe of light from the cloud up top would come and like hover over your shoulder and just follow you wherever you went in the library so that you could, it would be a reading light basically. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense in a D and D world, like where books are precious and hard to come by. Like libraries were places where you would not allow a flame. Like you cannot bring candles into libraries cause that's super dangerous. Um, so it makes a lot of sense yeah. that you might have like a permanent dancing light spell that uh, illuminates it instead. So that's that's most of the context in which I've used it. It gives a very cool atmosphere, but I've never actually had like a monster like in combat or something like that <laughs> cast the spell. No, but I think the, I think the, the can... advantage of being a DM is usually you can like you get to sort of decide the setting <laughs> in which fights yeah, take exactly. place. Uh, and so usually like if this is a dark place, I'm putting in monsters with dark vision because it right. kind of makes sense. Um, for sure. But again, if you encounter maybe like another party that's in exploratory mode in the dungeon and they're also trying to find their way around here, like that would make a lot of sense for their wizard to have dancing lights up. Yeah, that makes sense. Or, or you could like PCs tend to be kind of dumb. So you could use it as a, spell to lure pcs into a trap (laughs) that's also true i think it's um yeah i think it it somewhat depends i feel like if i were to if i were to say you see a glowing vaguely humanoid form i think at least half of our current DD party would be like that's a dancing light spell (laughs) you're trying to mess with me Um, yeah which maybe which may be a good way to like if you know that your players might like if they understand the game to that point, make it a glowing, vaguely humanoid form. And it isn't dancing lights. Like it's actually a celestial that's come to visit <laughs> and it just looks like a dancing light spell. Yeah. And everybody and dismisses like, it until it starts, you know, chucking flame strikes and stuff. Yeah. And we're like, we, we know Derek, this is going to be some kind of evil wizard. And it's, it's a nice, happy celestial bringing gifts. Yeah, bringing gifts until you just like walk on by and be like, ah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess it's a way to keep your players on their toes either way. If they don't know this spell, then yeah, use it and see if you can see if you can trick them. If if they happen to be up against a a wily kind of spellcaster or monster or something like that, basically, a monster might be able to use a dancing lights cantrip like an anglerfish lure where you just see this like glowing light and your players move towards it. Like, what is that? And then it pops out of the darkness and bites them or whatever. Um, But yeah, then if they do know dancing lights, then do the opposite where it looks like it's dancing lights, but actually it is a vaguely glowing humanoid shape. That is a real creature. Yeah. There you go. Oh, one, one encounter idea that, that popped into my head actually, as we were reading it is the idea of the, um, the undead monster will-o'-wisps that are just like little glowing balls of light that like lure travelers into swamps and that sort of thing. Uh, If I remember right, I think 
hags might like green hags might be able to cast dancing lights. Let me just double check oh. that real quick. Because it just occurred to me that that would be a really interesting. Yeah, green hags can cast dancing lights. That might be a really interesting encounter where you have a green hag and a couple of like will-o'-wisp minions, and she's cast dancing lights and is sort of interspersed the will-o'-wisps with them. So some of them are real and some of them are just harmless lights. Um, that could just be really cool. Players, huh? Yeah, or your players like don't know which ones to attack, and they're kind of like moving in and out of of one another. It's just sort of like a. Uh, just a bunch of glowing orbs of light all around you and you don't know which one's which. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that could be, that could be a really, really clever uh, encounter and would be a great opportunity for say the party's paladin to use their divine sense. Like I'm going to detect undead nearby and that way I can tell which one of these is real Um, Uh. or like the detect evil spell. Uh, Again, one that most players probably pass up because they see it as useless. And this would be a great way to be like, Hey, that, that spell solves the problem, and if you've prepared it, hey, way to go. There you go. Nice. I have a real soft spot for trying to find like little used spells, <laughs> things that people hardly ever take, and then try to find ways to make them useful in my game. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. I, 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 I get a real I get a real I don't know. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's not good DMing, but I get a real thrill out of the idea of somebody being like, man, I should have taken C invisibility. That would have solved so many of my problems. <laughs> yeah. Just making your PCs just regret their spell choices. They <laughs> or or feel really good about more. them. Like if somebody comes yeah. to me and is like, Hey, I'm taking the spell that nobody ever takes, but I think it's neat. Like, yeah, I would love to throw like, a bunch of opportunities to use the illusory script spell because I've never had anybody take illusory script. And so if someone were to come to me and be like, I, I'd like to take this spell, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to find ways to make it work. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. That could so, be fun. Yeah, let your DM know if you're taking Dancing Lights and maybe they can uh, come up with some some cool ideas for for how they can, how they can make you feel good about using that using that cantrip mm-hmm. slot for that choice. Yeah. Namely, a bunch of kobolds hiding in the dark waiting for a light to come around the corner. <laughs> or just blotting out the entire sun and now you're <laughs> Or blotting out the entire sun. By choosing dancing lights, you cause yeah. the apocalypse. Way to go. Perfect. And yeah, now you have to get the sun back. <laughs> yeah, and that's the Dark Sun campaign setting. In a, in a <laughs> nutshell, somebody decided to take dancing lights and now, now the whole world's screwed. Perfect. Wow, that's a whole campaign setting, a couple of encounters. Yeah, I think we've uh, I think we've given Dancing Lights a good shake. Yeah, that's it for Dancing Lights for today. You can follow us at Player Spellbook. That's Player Spellbook with one S. Let us know if you would take Dancing Lights and direct us to your own homebrew spells so we can review them in the future. Uh, and join us next week for druidcraft the first druid spell that we'll cover that's right look forward to that thanks everybody for listening